Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is the story that just went viral after what happened last week. And what I'm talking about here is last Wednesday, a woman named Teresa Klein called the police on a nine-year-old black boy claiming that he had sexually assaulted her in a Brooklyn deli. And the reason the story blew up the way that it did is a guy by the name of Jason Littlejohn, a local resident, recorded what happened after. And here are the kind of highlights from the video, but if you wanna see the full thing, I'll link down below. Oh, I want the cops here right now. No, I'll talk to you. And the son grabbed my ass, and she decided to yell at me. So I'm gonna stay right so, here. Security cameras don't say no way. Go home. Let's make it go viral. Go home. No. Let me go. No, not her. No, no. Come on. Go home. Make her go viral. She's nasty. Make her go viral. Thank you. Because a little kid. Because a little kid brushed up against her and touched her on her butt. And so for days after this incident, social media users criticized Klein. And a lot of people saying that she was just the latest example of someone calling the police on a black person for just existing. And this time it was just a little boy. And this story gets so big that eventually surveillance video from the shop gets released. And here is what we see. It is the smoking gun footage. Yes, Egg and cheese on a roll. So it appears that the little boy's backpack accidentally brushed up against Klein's backside, and that is what led to all of the footage before that we saw. Also, after all of this, Klein returned to the store to buy cigarettes and face members of the community who had spoken out against her. And while there, she was confronted by a reporter. She went inside the store. She watched playback of the security footage in front of members of the community, and that was a fascinating thing to watch. Watch your boy's Boom. hand! Boom! Watch the boy's hand! hand. Where the hell oh! And following this, she spoke to a TV reporter afterward and apologized. Young man, I don't know your name, but I'm sorry. Klein also denying that she acted out of bigotry or any racially charged motivations. She also said she was willing to talk to the boy's mother to talk about this issue, but also complained that the mother had reacted so aggressively when she said the boy had touched her. Klein claiming that the mother told her that she was a police officer, that she flashed some sort of badge while threatening her. And looking at the footage, we do see something in the mother's hand, but it's hard to tell what it actually is. We also have Klein telling the other white woman in the footage that she wasn't calling the police on the child, but on the police officer mother, although on that note, that has not been confirmed that she is actually a police officer at this point. Also on the note of people being confused about someone being a police officer, you had some on social media mistakenly thinking that Klein said she herself was a police officer, but she was actually quoting the other woman when she said, I'm a cop. And Klein telling reporters, a woman charged at me and flashed a badge and said she would arrest me. And I called 911. And then also adding, I would like to apologize to her daughter and her son, but not to her. She could have walked away, but she didn't. I'm also a Buddhist, but I let my temper show. And as far as my takeaway from this, it's amazing to me that this escalated to what it became. I mean, we're dealing with a situation that starts as an obvious misunderstanding, the backpack touches her butt, she thinks that it was grabbed, she says something, she gets confronted. As far as her defense that she's calling about the mother, I mean, we have her screaming into a phone that this boy sexually assaulted her, but also in the footage it does appear she believes that it actually happened because she's even talking about the possibility of using surveillance footage, but also her defense that the mother is the one that escalated it. I mean, if I was right with my child and I saw 100%, my kid did nothing, and then some random stranger said that they were sexually assaulted by my kid, I'd probably lose it too. That said, as of right now, we don't actually have audio of that confrontation inside the store, so we're not exactly sure what was said. But I mean, just looking at the footage again, I'm not really sure what to think of this particular moment. But that being said, no matter what, it doesn't really look great for Klein. Now, of course, that is my takeaway from this situation, and I pass the question off to you. What is your opinion about what happened here? Is Klein 100% in the wrong here? Yes, no, maybe so. Any thoughts or feelings, I'd love to hear from you. Then in quickie news, we had Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren releasing DNA results today. This relating to a situation where she referenced her mother's side having Native American blood. And this is something 
that has been mocked by people like President Trump, who has called her fake Pocahontas. And you might even remember there was a point at a rally where he was talking about a hypothetical debate with Warren, where he said this. I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian. And today, Elizabeth Warren released this video where according to analysis, she does actually have some Native American blood in her. And reportedly, this would go back six to 10 generations, meaning that, you know, a kind of a roundabout way that she would be 164th Native American at most. There's also part of the video where it covers that she didn't get special treatment because she had Native American blood. And regarding the president's response to all of this, he said this. No, I have to pay $1 million. Who cares? I didn't say that. I didn't. You better read it again. And the thing is, looking at the situation as a whole, I, I really question if this moves the needle for anybody. She technically has this connection, but I think for a lot of people, it is still so far disconnected. And because of that generational disconnect, you're still going to have many people saying that it's misleading, at least, that she changed her ethnicity from white to Native American while at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Although Warren explained and defended this by saying that she identified herself as Native American in the late 1980s and early 1990s, as many of the matriarchs of her family were dying and she began to feel that her family stories and history were becoming lost. But that said, at the same time, what does help her is that the University of Pennsylvania actually had to fill out a document on why they hired her, a white woman, over minority candidates. So that is being seen by many as evidence that she did not use this claim to benefit her. So essentially it was this symbolic thing that has turned into a non-factor, but to, I mean, we're talking about it today. So apparently it does matter to a lot of people. And actually on that note, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts around this specific situation? Does this matter to you anyway? Or is this an obvious sideshow? Any and all thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. And then let's talk about this Saudi Arabia-Turkey situation that we covered last week and has just continued to escalate. And if you're unfamiliar with the situation and the accusations around it, I highly recommend you watch our last videos. But for the sake of time, here's an incredibly brief recap. You have Jamal Khashoggi, who's a Saudi writer and journalist who's been an outspoken critic of Saudi Arabia in recent days. He's even gone as far as moving to the United States in self-imposed exile because he feared for his safety. On October 2nd, Jamal Khashoggi went to the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey to get documents certifying his divorce from his Saudi wife. And he did this so he could marry his Turkish fiance who lives in Istanbul, but Khashoggi never came out of the consulate. Now, a Saudi official said that he left, but Turkish officials said that Khashoggi was murdered and dismembered. And with this, they've used a bunch of footage and plane records that apparently show a 15-person hit squad arriving at the airport to take care of Khashoggi. But Saudi Arabia has denied everything, and this has turned into a huge international incident with Congress and the President of the United States getting involved. And once again, that's just an incredibly brief, non-specific recap, but that brings us to this weekend. On Saturday, you had a Turkish newspaper reporting that Turkish officials had evidence that Khashoggi recorded his own interrogation, torture, and killing using his Apple Watch. Now, an important note here before moving forward, is that news outlet is known to have strong ties to Turkish security forces. Now, with that said, the report continued that the recording was automatically sent to his iPhone that he had presumably left outside with his fiance and to iCloud. Also, according to the report, Saudi officials tried to get into his Apple Watch using his passcode, but failed several times before using Khashoggi's finger to unlock the watch. And at that point, according to this report, they apparently deleted some of the recordings, but not all of them. But the issue here is there are a lot of holes in this story. Now, the first one that people started pointing out is that the Apple Watch has no Touch ID functionality like the iPhone does. And there have been two possibilities discussed here, that Saudi Arabian officials unlocked the phone that was outside with his fiance, which is unlikely, or he actually did have his iPhone on him. Then another hole, or at least place where people are skeptical is the recording on the Apple Watch. You have people pointing out potential problems here. People saying if he was recording from his watch, he would have had to stop the recording, which his attackers would have likely noticed. Also, Apple's privacy rules reportedly require third-party apps to show some kind of red recording display on the screen while it's recording. So you have people arguing that Saudi officials probably would have noticed that, although he could have maybe put it in a pocket or something else. Also, it's said that the watch would have had to transmit the recording via Bluetooth through the phone outside. And it's not believed by many that the Bluetooth would be strong enough to transmit from inside the console 
consulate all the way outside through several walls. And that's without mentioning the consulate walls are probably stronger and thicker than most. But even with that, let's say he did have the ability to record on his watch without being noticed. Reportedly, Khashoggi does own a third generation Apple Watch, which does have cellular connection capability. So hypothetically, he could have maybe uploaded the recording on his own that way. But reportedly, you can't roam with a cellular capable Apple Watch. So that means it most likely would have required a Bluetooth connection to the Apple phone to have data capability. To which that has been contested by people saying, well, what if he switched out the SIM card to be compatible with Turkish network so he wasn't roaming? Well, the issue with that note is Turkey isn't on the list of countries that has carriers that support the third generation Apple Watch. So you have experts saying that there is no possibility that it was uploaded that way. And so that brings us to pretty much the last possibility that he was on the Saudi Arabian consulate's Wi-Fi. And so if that was the case, I mean, that would bypass the Bluetooth and cell problem. Perhaps Khashoggi had a saved password for the Wi-Fi network. The other possibility is that in between the time that he entered and was allegedly attacked, he entered that password, but that's believed to be pretty unlikely. Although it's been argued that one possibility is that Turkish security forces turned the Apple Watch into a recording device before he went into the consulate, or maybe potentially more likely, the Turkish officials just simply are trying to cover up the fact that the Saudi consulate is bugged. And in that case, all of this Apple Watch stuff is kind of just what they're feeding the press to get past that. But a big point that I want to hit here is that that's based off of the report that we got out of Turkey and experts saying what is and is not possible. So there's that part of the story. And then of course, we need to talk about Donald Trump's reaction. And as I mentioned last week, before Donald Trump started making more specific statements around this situation, a big part in play was probably going to be the money situation. And specifically, I'm talking about how much money the United States makes from Saudi Arabia thanks to military weapons. And that is something that has been referenced and is very likely to affect what happens next. Over the weekend, we saw President Trump appearing in a 60 Minutes interview where he talked about Khashoggi. And in this interview, when asked whether the Saudis did it, he said, We would be very upset and angry if that were the case. As of this moment, they deny it and they deny it vehemently. Could it be them? Yes. Also in this interview, he was asked whether he would go along with sanctions against Saudi Arabia. What depends on what the sanction is. I'll give you an example. They are ordering military equipment. Everybody in the world wanted that order. Russia wanted it. China wanted it. We wanted it. We got it. And we got all of it. Every bit of it. So would you cut that off? Do I? Well, I tell you what I don't want to do. Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, all these companies. I don't want to hurt jobs. I don't want to lose an order like that. And you know, there are other ways of uh, punishing. punishing. So there with that response, you can see how the, the money situation affects this. But also in this interview, he saw Donald Trump say that there might be a severe punishment still and express that it's an especially bad situation because Khashoggi is a journalist. There's a lot at stake and maybe especially so because this man was a reporter. There's something, you'll be surprised to hear me say that, there's something really terrible and disgusting about that if that were the case. So we're gonna have to see. We're going to get to the bottom of it and there will be severe punishment. Now following this in response to Donald Trump's comments, the state-owned Saudi press agency released an article from an official state source reading. The kingdom affirms its total rejection of any threats and attempts to undermine it, whether by threatening to impose economic sanctions, using political pressures, or repeating false accusations. Now here's the thing, even though there are no sanctions in place right now, we're only talking about words, the impact was still almost immediate. The Saudi equities index dropped as much as 7% or about $33 billion on Sunday. That's the biggest drop they've had since December 2014. But also an important note here is it's not just Trump's words having an effect. Next month, Saudi Arabia is due to host its future investment initiative, which has also been called Davos in the Desert. And it's an event that's meant to show off Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's Vision 2030 initiative. And that initiative includes a ton of societal changes as well as breaking the country's dependence on oil. But in response to Khashoggi still missing, most news outlets that agreed to sponsor the event have pulled out. And that includes the New York Times, CNN, CNBC, the Financial Times, and more. Also on this note, the list of media sponsors for the conference was completely removed as of Friday. We've also seen some out 
outlets reporting that U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin might not even be attending now. But that said, as things stand, Mnuchin does seem to still be planning on attending unless something else comes out. We've also seen some speakers having withdrawn from the event, that including the editor-in-chief of The Economist, a columnist for The New York Times, the new owner of The LA Times, and Uber CEO. Also, with all of this increasing pressure, we saw the general manager of a Saudi state-owned media company publishing an op-ed in Al Arabiya. Since he has sources in Saudi decision-making circles, he's considered a credible reference for what Saudi retaliation would look like. And in it, he writes that they're considering more than 30 measures to respond if U.S. sanctions were to be placed on Saudi Arabia. And this includes pricing oil and currency other than the U.S. dollar, reducing the exchange of information between Saudi Arabia and Western countries, reducing oil production to the point where instead of it being roughly $80 per barrel as it is right now to up to $400 a barrel, there's also the option of switching the defense and arms agreement to importing from China or Russia. The article even saying that U.S. sanctions would throw the Middle East, including the entire Muslim world, into the arms of Iran. And it closes saying that the truth is if Washington imposes sanctions on Riyadh, it will stab its own economy to death even though it thinks that it's stabbing only Riyadh. But on the other hand, you have people like Senator Marco Rubio who appeared on talk shows this weekend. And what we saw there is he was very outspoken about Saudi accountability. But there needs to be a strong response if in fact this proves to be true. It undermines our ability uh, to stand for, for morality and human rights all over the world. But here's the bottom line. I believe the Trump administration will do something. The president has said that. But if he doesn't, Congress will. That I can tell you with 100% certainty, with almost mm -hmm. full unanimity across the board, Republicans and Democrats, there will be a very strong congressional response if in fact the Saudis lured him into that consulate, murdered him, cut up his body, and, and, and disposed of it. We've also seen White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow speaking on potential action, saying the United States is the dominant energy player, so we're in pretty good shape, in my opinion, with our energy boom to cover any shortfalls. We'll wait and see, but rest assured that when the president says we will take actions if we find out bad outcomes, he means it. We've also seen the United Kingdom, France, and Germany getting involved. They issued a statement saying, in part, we encourage joint Saudi-Turkish efforts in that regard and expect the Saudi government to provide a complete and detailed response. And all of this takes us to this morning where we saw Trump speaking to the media. There, we saw him say that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be going to meet Saudi King Salman, adding that he has free reign to go wherever he needs, including Turkey. To immediately get on a plane, go to Saudi Arabia, go to other places if necessary, which he probably will. But with regard to this, go to Turkey if necessary. We also saw Trump tweet, just spoke to the King of Saudi Arabia who denies any knowledge of whatever may have happened to our Saudi Arabian citizen. He said that they are working closely with Turkey to find an answer. I am immediately sending our Secretary of State to meet with King. We also had Trump suggesting that it could have been, quote, rogue killers that took Khashoggi out. It sounded to me like maybe these could have been rogue killers, who knows? We're gonna try getting to the bottom of it very soon. Also, according to Reuters, King Salman has ordered the public prosecutor to open an internal investigation into Khashoggi's disappearance. And as of right now, that is where we are, although there are these kind of last minute, almost updates coming in as I'm finishing up today's show. There are reports from CNN saying that Saudi Arabia is actually preparing to admit that Khashoggi was killed. Reportedly, the report that's being prepared admits that Khashoggi was killed during an interrogation that went wrong. That the plan was to abduct him with another source saying that the report will probably conclude that there was no official clearance for the operation. And that's a big note there because that would then likely provide some cushion for Mohammed bin Salman from being squarely blamed. However, at the same time, one source reportedly said that the report could be changed since it is still being prepared. But of course, a big thing here is th this is all still coming in, nothing is in stone. But with that said, I do wanna pass the question off to you. What is your takeaway from all of this? And that's where I'm going to end today's show. And of course, remember, I also wanna hear from you. So whether it be the last story of the day, the first one, anything in between, let me know what you're thinking in those comments down below. Also, while you're at it, if you missed the last BDS, you can click or tap right there. Or if you wanna watch today's brand new bonus video, I let, uh, I let the team do a little something weird, you can click or tap right there to watch that. But that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.